Welcome back to the Ask Pastor John podcast. Pastor John, you're off to Indianapolis for the Gospel Coalition's 2019 National Conference. There, you're going to be delivering the opening plenary address of the conference today on Monday. That's 1 p.m. at the uh, Indiana Convention Center. Please be praying for that. Please be praying for Pastor John. I'm not sure if that message is going to be live streamed. I assume so, but I'm not sure. But first, before you go, today's question comes to us from a listener named Austin. Hello, Pastor John. In my Bible study, I've been stumped by the phrase that says Jesus has become much superior to angels. If Jesus has eternally existed as God, how do I understand this passage and the theme that seems to pop up in Hebrews? Why and how did Jesus somehow become superior to angels? Well, first thing I'd say is I love this kind of question. I just think that's so important that we not gloss yeah. over apparent difficulties and just read on and, and, and let them dangle. The text that Austin is referring to is found in Hebrews 1.4, and it's interesting that you don't have to leave this text, its immediate context, in order to see that in the mind of the writer, the Son of God has always existed as superior to angels. So then how, how does he become superior if he's always superior? <laughs> uh, so let me read it. So I'll start at verse 3 of Hebrews 1. He, that is the Son of God, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. No angel could ever have that said about them. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So none of that can be said of any angel. The Son of God is by nature God, and the Son upholds the universe. So in what sense, then, did he become superior to angels? Here's what verse 4 goes on to say. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So two massive realities explain the sentence in which the Son of God becomes superior to angels. The first massive reality is the incarnation. And the second one is the triumph of the God-man over sin and death and Satan by his death and resurrection. So the first one, the, the incarnation, the first reality that explains how he becomes superior to angels is that the incarnate Son of God is a new reality. The God-man, Jesus Christ, did not exist before the incarnation. So, since he didn't exist from all eternity, the God-man, the union of divine and human nature, since he didn't exist from all eternity as the God-man, the God-man can become superior to angels, which in fact he did by virtue of his divine nature, but especially his triumphant work on the cross. So that leads us to the second great reality, which is probably the one that gets the most focus in the New Testament. So the second reality that makes sense out of the Son of God becoming superior to angels is that he did what no angels could ever do. In his divine human nature, he went to the cross and he bore the sins of his people. 
and he disarmed the angelic principalities and powers and defeated death and rose from the dead and is enthroned with a new authority to do what only God can do because of what he did as the God-man on the cross. Hmm. So the, the very question that Austin is asking is also raised in other places. This may help to bring in a, another way of asking the same kind of thing. For example, in 20, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Well, <laughs> didn't he always have, as the Son of God, authority over everything? Right. He, he did. He did. By virtue of his death and resurrection, however, it says, an authority was given to Jesus. What he didn't have before uh, was this. He had the, I mean, he, he, he gets the authority now as the God-man to exercise his eternal omnipotence in the service of a blood-bought people to whom he now becomes the agent of mercy because of what he did on the cross. So that's a new authority. I mean, John 17, 1 and 2 says it like this. God gave him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So the authority that uh, he always had in terms of omnipotence is now used on the basis of his blood and righteousness, to give eternal life. He couldn't do that before he did the saving work. And so that's a new authority or a new exercise of authority on the analogy of becoming superior. And here are a couple more examples of this kind of thing. Um, Peter cries out on the day of Pentecost, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So the Son of God has always been Lord of the universe, but the crucified and risen Christ is now installed in a new office as Lord and Messiah over his redeemed people, and in this way becomes superior to angels. Or Romans 1, 3, and 4, where Paul says that the gospel concerns God's Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So by the resurrection, by the resurrection, an event in history, the God-man Jesus is declared to be Son of God in a new way, namely in power over sin, over death, over evil, and in that way, his newness, the newness of his sonship becomes becomes superior to angels in a way he didn't experience before. Or First uh, Peter three twenty one, baptism is an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. 
So the death and resurrection of Jesus disarmed the angels, disarmed the authorities and powers, brought them into a new kind of subjection to the Son of God who had stripped them of of the one weapon with which they could damn us, namely unforgiven sin. And in this way, he he shows his superiority superiority over over all the angels. Here's one more example, uh, Romans 14.9. To this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord. Of course, he was always Lord, but mm-hmm. but he did something in dying and rising that made him Lord in a new way. So let me finish it. To this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. If Christ had not died and lived again, he would not hold the office of saving Lord over his people. There would be no salvation. There would be no saving lordship in the universe had Jesus not died and risen from the dead. So, in all these ways, the God-man who died and rose again for sinners has become attained a new level, a new kind of uh, relationship to angels and to man as superior to angels in a way that didn't exist before. Excellent. Thank you, Pastor John. And remember, Pastor John is off to Indianapolis delivering the opening address at the Gospel Coalition's 2019 National Conference at the Indiana Convention Center. That's at 1 p.m. today on Monday. Be watching for that and please be praying for him. Well, we return on Wednesday to address a 23-year-old man who feels called to pastoral ministry, and he thinks he should forego seminary training and jump right into the work. What will John Piper say? We'll find out on Wednesday. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you then.